Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! How about that for a football game? And as I told you all week last week, the last thing you wanted to do, the only thing you can't do, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, you can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball last. What's up, everybody? It's Noah's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Did you know that the kids had the day off from school? I guess if you have kids in school, you did know. It is a holiday. Uh, a bank holiday, as it were. It's President's Day. Did you guys know this? These guys are like, why don't we get the day off? I know. We worked all day. <laughs> Just like thumbs down. Uh, I think they should just figure out a way to make the Super Bowl the day before President's Day all the time. This is like in Nevada. In Nevada, the state holiday, the, the Nevada Day or whatever, is actually on October 30th. And so they always, you'd always have the day after Halloween. No, excuse me. Uh, Nevada Day is November 1st, so you'd always have the day of uh, after Halloween off when you were a kid. I lived in Nevada until I was like six or seven years old, and uh, it w- I mean, not very many Halloweens celebrated by the time you're seven, but I always do remember you could trick-or-treat and you could stay up late because you'd have the next day off school. So did your parents. They Most of them had the day off work. That was fun. So I got this news last night uh, in the midst of um, hearing. So I... I uh, I watched the first three quarters of the Super Bowl yesterday at my brother's father-in-law's house. I just call him my father-in-law, but it's my brother's father-in-law's house. And we were all there. Andrew was over hanging out. And my seven-year-old nephew has somehow, some way, despite, uh, well, it's, it's cool that he loves sports so much. But uh, myself and his father, my brother, Brooks, we are both um, so steadfast in our like lack of fandom in the world. 
Well, Ellis is like a super fan already. He is all the way in. He was wearing Kansas City Chiefs from head to toe, and uh, he was so mad when the Chiefs were down that he started playing his Nintendo Switch for a little while. I said, hey, buddy, there's a lot of game left. Well, then it came all the way back, and so uh, I was getting the rehashing of it all, but then because uh, I called my brother after the game, I left in the third quarter, had to go hang out with wife and baby. I didn't have to, wanted to. Wanted to watch the end of the game. Then I ended up getting some extra football there in overtime. So didn't get to actually see live and in person uh, the reaction of the seven-year-old nephew. But uh, heard he was juiced. Andrew, you were there. Was he freaking out? We were all freaking out, man. It was the last minute of overtime in the Super Bowl. But, yes, he was jumping up and down and, and pumping his fist. But, I mean, we were all going crazy in the room because that turned into a, a great finish. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, I was not freaking out other than in my head because I was holding our baby. <laughs> my wife told me the only thing you can't do is you can't scream at the TV right now. I was like, okay, I'll try to keep it in. But uh, what a finish it was. Goes all the way down to overtime. The Niners get it down inside the five-yard line. They can't get it in the end zone. They settle for a field goal. And at that moment, if you've watched the NFL over the last five or six years, you just knew. You could just feel it. Mahomes, the Chiefs, they were going to march all the way down the field. That's exactly what they did. More than a seven-minute drive. 13 plays, 75 yards, capped by a three-yard touchdown from McCole Hardman. And I actually I have a huge question, but nobody seemed to. No one's asked this question yet. What happened to the last three seconds on the clock? They scored with three seconds to go, and then the game was just over. There was no ensuing kick. Is it because it's overtime? Yeah. Okay, so the Niners had scored three, and then okay, I was, I was like, wow, that's some voodoo uh, Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff right there. Just no ensuing kickoff, but then now it makes sense. It's, it's overtime, so the game's just over. Okay, so. You had to sort of see this coming. What a, what an excellent ending it was, though, to the NFL season. This game was actually a, a slog for like the first three and a half quarters. I don't know if that's because of nerves or outstanding play by both defenses or what the deal was, but there was not a lot of flow to this game offensively here, um, the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. But then it sort of went into hyperdrive back and forth in the fourth quarter. It was very exciting down the stretch. And then, of course, anytime it goes to overtime, it's only the second time ever that the uh, big game has gone to overtime. And uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's been on the wrong side of both of them. This time as the head coach of the Niners, last time as the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. But when the dust settles, 25-22, the Kansas City Chiefs win. They are the Super Bowl champions for the third time in the last five years. They become one of just a handful of NFL franchises to go back-to-back. So we'll get into that. The platitudes, the accomplishment, what does this all mean historically? We'll give you the rundown of what exactly this does mean historically right off the top here. Then we'll come back to all those uh, historical accomplishments and we'll hash it out. We'll we'll give you the whys or or the hows or the what does this mean moving forward uh, with our main man, Marty Mornaway. He, he will be in studio with us, unfortunately, sadly, uh, but proudly, the last Monday afternoon quarterback of the year. We love having Mar- Coach Marty in studio with us. He is uh, a gem. Man, he's awesome to, to talk to. What a font of knowledge. Unbelievable. Uh, the, the knowledge and the stories that he's got. That's what happens when you coach in the NFL for more than a quarter century. But uh, one of his main ties within the NFL is Andy Reid, who's the head coach of the Chiefs. So I'm sure Coach Marty very happy about Kansas City's uh, victory. 
So we'll hash out all of the ins and outs of all the historical significance and give you some of our analysis of all the stuff that went down on the field, the X's and O's, why it wasn't a little bit of a slog early on, why did the defenses seem to dominate the day for most of it, and just how great is Patrick Mahomes? Why is he so awesome down the stretch? We'll get into all of that and more, probably some futures talks as well uh, in the second hour with the Monday afternoon quarterback. We will do um, some football flavor here off the top and then some basketball action for the Montana basketball hour here uh, in the first hour like we normally do. And then next week we'll be fully into basketball mode. Teases for later on in the week. A couple of things that are coming up. First of all, our ESPN roundtable this week, a fun one. A Grizz legend who also is a Utah State legend who also had the court there at the Spectrum in Logan, Utah, named after him on Saturday evening. Stu Morrill, who's the head coach for the Montana men's basketball team in the late 1980s and early 1990s, he then went on to have good success at Colorado State and unprecedented success at Utah State. He won more than 400 games there in Logan, more than 600 wins overall in his illustrious career for Coach Morrill. That's how you get the court named after you. But I think it's a, there, there's sort of a three-pronged tie here. First of all, Utah State's a 21 team after their victory over Boise State on Saturday night. Probably the two best coaches of the modern era in Utah State basketball history, Stu Morrill and now Danny Sprinkle. I know Coach Sprinks is still in the midst of his first season, but, I mean, he's got the, he's got the Aggies in the top 20. They've already won 20 games, and they're a contender in one of the best leagues in the country in the Mountain West. So we'll get Coach Morrill's perspective on the honor, on Coach Sprinkle, on the Aggies. But also, in case you forgot, it's Cat Grizz Week this week as well. It's rivalry week here around the state of Montana. So uh, the Bobcats coming to town for a doubleheader on Saturday. The women are at 2, and the men are at 7. So we'll also get some Grizz talk out of Coach Morrill as well. That's coming up on Wednesday. We'll also hear from every side of the rivalry that we can. I already got some stuff lined up for the week with um, for the women's game, Brian Holsinger and Carmen G. Feller from the Montana side of things, as well as Trisha Binford and Madison Jackson Hall on the Bobcat side of things. And then for the men's game, we'll hear from Lalu Oke, who's a, a senior there for the Grizz basketball team, as well as Travis DeCure. We'll also hear from Brian Garaki and Matt Logie on the Bobcat side of things. So a ton of fun interviews for you uh, coming up a little later on this week. These guys, uh, Andrew Houghton, Jeff Safford, they'll also be manning the ship uh, for one last week. Uh, we're going to try to get these guys involved as much as possible here moving forward. They've both done a great job while I've been in and out, uh, sort of learning the ropes as a new dad. Uh, a lot of doctor's appointments. You guys, anybody that has kids, you know how it goes this first month or so. But uh, I'm planning on being back to sort of my normal schedule in full flux next week. Uh, so plenty of mic time for these guys this week as well. And uh, probably moving forward as well. So that should be fun. Snow is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Want to stream the show? You always can. 1029ESPN.com You can also always get a hold of us. 406-888-1029 Best ways to probably text us. That's 888 My best of the weekend. First of all, I've been really getting into the Mountain West. We, uh, yeah, it's always been a moving target. Which streaming services do you have? Which ones don't you have? What do they carry when it comes to live sports? Well, we got it all the way locked in now. That's what happens when you get married. You get to combine all these resources. Now, you know, we got this and that and the other thing. We're probably paying a million dollars a month for the streaming stuff. But whatever, we got all the channels. 
We got FS1, though, and the Mountain West has been on FS1, Fox Sports 1, prevalently throughout this season. So I've been really getting into the Mountain West. We watched Utah State destroy Boise State on Saturday night. Great effort by the Aggies. And as I mentioned, they're now a 20-win team and certainly uh, deserving to be in the top 20. Mountain West has been a ton of fun. Uh, I really wonder if they're cannibalizing themselves, though, because Utah State, New Mexico, Boise State, San Diego State, they've all been sort of lingering in that number 18 to number 25 ranking spots. None of them can seem to get up because they keep beating each other. Like, for example, Utah State's win gives them an 8-3 and three conference record. That's alone in first place in the Mountain West. So everybody has at least three conference losses. So they've definitely been beating each other up. Colorado State's also pretty good. UNLV's also pretty good. Wyoming, who's traditionally at least a top-half team in the Mountain West, they're sitting there like seventh place, even though they're five and five in league, and they have some big wins. So Mount West's been fun to watch. Uh, I do think it's a good thing for college basketball. For the health and stability of the current iteration of college sports, less for the Power Five is a good thing. Now, now I'm not trying to advocate for some sort of like, I don't know, in a competitive environment. If all the resources matriculate to one side and there's dominant teams and all that, that's just a part of life. That's kind of the part of business. That's just the way that it works, especially in a capitalistic economy. So make no mistake, big-time college sports is a capitalistic economy. That said, for the NCAA tournament to be super fun, having leagues that have a lot of great teams come out of them, like having the Mountain West be a 3-4-5 or 6-bid league is a very good thing for college basketball, period. Same with the Big East. I just think that having teams that have below 500 conference records in the big dance as at-large teams is just not in the spirit of it. Like, if you, all you know is you got to finish seventh in the ACC and you're going to get in over the, let's say, in previous years, you know, second or third team from the West Coast Conference or the fourth or fifth team from the Mountain West Conference, that's – it's just dumb. There, there's There's – like the second tier of leagues that are still top 10 leagues that deserve more bids and the big di- the big boys, I think, deserve less bids. But that's probably a rant uh, for another time. But the Mountain, that's all to say. Mountain West is cool. It's been fun watching. And uh, good basketball being played out West is a good thing. Other best of the weekend. I thought Usher was good. I know there was a lot of scuttle uh, for the halftime show. He danced his butt off. He didn't. He sang and then didn't sing sometimes. Partly because he didn't want to have the projection that he was lip syncing. A lot of times, these like really high wire type, you know, high energy acts, when they're in these huge stadiums and they're dancing all over the place, they're totally lip syncing. Now, okay, if it's all about the performance and the the uh, the dancing, that's fine. Maybe you want to lip sync. But Usher like sang the hooks and then he had some backup singers, but he didn't sing a lot of it. And I actually thought that was like way more authentic and made the performance seem. More impressive. I thought it was good. I thought it was a hit. I'm sure there's going to be tons of uh, opinions on both sides. I have actually not dove into the social media's landscape or or even asked the gals here at work or uh, our good friend Carol in the Chicken Does No Sports. Haven't gotten any real opinions on it, but uh, I, I thought it was good. So, uh, And then as far as the commercials go, other than uh, Ben Affleck and and Matt Damon and Tom Brady wearing the Dunkin' Donuts suits. I don't remember any of them. I was not paying attention to the commercials whatsoever <laughs> this time. I, I was either paying attention to the people I was watching the game with or the uh, the chip bowl. Shocking, I know. 
Uh, Super Bowl in a historical perspective here on the Montana Basketball, but also Montana Football Hour. It's proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Dazzler's Car Wash has the most efficient and effective car washes anywhere in the Garden City. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long at Dazzler's Car Wash. We said it all week last week. I'll reiterate it again. Can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball last. Give him the ball last, especially in a walk-off situation. He's going to beat you. I mean, his ability to get in the zone and settle in is uh, it, it's second to none. I mean, I mean, maybe it's second to Tom Brady. <laughs> That's about it, though, right? As far as being cool, calm, and collected and being able to rise your level to the top and also maintain your composure and your savvy when the moment grows to be the biggest – He's an all-time great already. He's only 28 years old. It did not take age and wisdom for him to get to this point. He is a true gift. He is hes the best. I mean, as as uh, Mike Greenberg said this morning, he's the best closer in sports. I mean, he has replaced Mariano Rivera as the greatest closer in any sport. And uh, it was a totally predictable yet totally impressive way that he was able to lead the Chiefs on that game-winning drive uh, in overtime. We'll analyze that with Coach Marty. In hour number two, but let's put this thing now into perspective. For both Mahomes and Andy Reid, that's now three, count them, three Super Bowl rings together. This vaults Andy Reid big time. Although there's been 58 Super Bowls played now, Andy Reid is one of just five coaches with three or more Super Bowls. He's now tied with Joe Gibbs and Bill Walsh. Only Chuck Knoll with four, the great coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots have more. Belichick, of course, has six. Noel has four. Noel went back-to-back twice. Uh, That's probably why they consider the greatest run for uh, a decade in NFL history when the Steelers went back-to-back two different times uh, in the span of eight years. Uh, But Belichick, obviously, six and 20 was pretty darn good. Three out of four, 2001, 2003, and 2004, is also probably a, a top 10 run in NFL history. But this one now that the Chiefs are on, Andy Reid, three out of the last five, that's rarefied air. Uh, he certainly has, he has uh, more Super Bowl rings now than Vince Lombardi, Don Shula, Tom Landry, George Seifert, Bill Parcells, Tom Flores, the, uh, the great Raiders coach. A lot of people remember those Raiders teams with John Madden. Madden retired pretty early on. Madden was in, like in his 30s when he retired. He was like the first really young coach, and he also was like the youngest retired coach as well. And, of course, then got into his uh, his most famed role as a broadcaster. But actually, Tom Flores won two of those Raiders Super Bowl titles. Jimmy Johnson, of course, won two. Mike Shanahan, two with the Broncos back-to-back in 97 and 98. And then Tom Coughlin won a pair with the uh, New York Giants. So handful, I guess a couple handfuls were the guys that have two, but now Andy Reid up there in that top group. Only five men ever with three Super Bowl uh, rings as head coaches. The other interesting part, and I want to hash this part out with, with Marty Mornaweg. Every single one of those guys, Belichick, Chuck Noll with the Steelers, Bill Walsh with the 49ers, Joe Gibbs with the Washington Redskins, Vince Lombardi with the Packers, Don Shula with the Dolphins, Tom Landry with the Cowboys, George Seifert with the 49ers, Flores with the Raiders, Jimmy Johnson with the Cowboys, Shanahan with the Broncos, and Coughlin with the Giants. They're all synonymous with their organization. Now, Tom Coughlin had life after that. 
uh, and certainly had a, a decent amount of success. But there's only two coaches on that whole list that have ever gone to the big game with two different franchises. It's Andy Reid, went to a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, and went to five straight NFC Championship games before basically getting forced out in Philly and then having this crazy great resurrection in Kansas City. And then the other one is the Tuna, Bill Parcells. He won two with the New York Giants and then went back with the New England Patriots, also knocked on the door with both the Cowboys and the Jets. Part of that's just because Parcells is such a crazy man that he just retired <laughs> like five times. <laughs> and so then would like unretire and, and come out of retirement for the latest and greatest gig. But I thought that was a, an interesting deal, right? Most of the time, if you're going to have multiple Super Bowl runs with a coach, it's because of continuity. And almost never does a head coach go and find success elsewhere. So if Belichick gets back in the head coaching game, what does that mean? Where will he go? Will he be able to recapture the magic? Can it be done when you're in your early 70s? Uh, certainly remains to be seen. For Patrick Mahomes, he now also continues to climb the ladder. Of course, Tom Brady ahead of everybody with seven Super Bowl championships. Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, each with four. Now Patrick Mahomes tied with Troy Aikman with three each. That's more than the following men who have two as quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Bob Greasy, who was the quarterback of those Dolphins teams in the early 1970s, John Elway, Jim Plunkett of the Raiders, Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers, Bart Starr of the Green Bay Packers won the first two Super Bowls, and Roger Staubach <coughs> excuse me, of the uh, formerly Baltimore Colts, uh, excuse me, of the Dallas Cowboys, of course. I'm thinking of Johnny Unitas. Unitas actually, in fact, uh, has no Super Bowl rings because he played in the time before the Super Bowl uh, was actually a game. You have to think, though, that Andy Reid is... He's, it's, it's, it's Belichick and then Andy Reid when it comes to 21st century head coaches in the NFL, right? And now, in terms of... Now we have, like, sort of this post-Belichick era. I guess they call it the post-Belichick-Brady era. Of course, uh, Brady went and got himself another ring in Tampa Bay before... Retiring, unretiring, and retiring again. Belichick, he's been nowhere close to the coach he once was. And is that a you know uh, an erosion of his coaching abilities, or did he did he just have this this perfect marriage that then went uh, you know that got soured with Tom Brady? It's tough to say, but I, I will say that it's. I think we can safely say that the the Bill Belichick reign over the NFL, at least for now, is finished. So the post-Belichick era is upon us, and Andy Reid is absolutely the best coach since Belichick got done uh, dominating the ranks. So uh, wild to think. I mean, Andrew, you've been a, you were a Philadelphia Eagles fan for your, most of your life, and you totally remember when Andy Reid first revived the Eagles and then had them knocking on the door, and then it was like they're actually in a very similar situation in the early 2000s that the San Francisco 49ers are in right now where you're almost good enough. You're like this really complete team that's right in the mix and you're in the final four every year, but you can't kick down the door. And then they ended up forcing out Andy Reid. And I can't wait to ask Coach Marty about this because he was actually a part of that staff once upon a time. And he sort of had to remake himself in the NFL as well. But uh, when Andy Reid was sort of forced out in Philly, could you ever imagine that he would have become now what he is here and that we'd be standing here today talking about him as an unquestionable all-time great coach in the NFL? 
No, I don't think anybody really could have thought that. I mean, I thought that, you know, when he left Philadelphia, the book was sort of written on what Andy Reid was, and it's exactly what you just described. is a, a really good coach and also just a coach who couldn't quite take that final step, and there's no, there's no shame in being that tier of head coach, right? There are a ton of great names that belong to that category, but I think everybody thought that that was just, you know, what he was. There was plenty of, of um, evidence as to Andy Reid being a great coach who can take his teams to the playoffs and he can win playoff games and he can't quite win the Super Bowl. And now that's uh, certainly all in the rear view. And and a part of it has to be because of the quarterback that he's got. That's right, yeah. And, it, and that's why things can change so quickly in the NFL, right? right. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, what we saw on Sunday was, was real... Greatness and what we've seen, in fact, this entire playoff run from the Kansas City Chiefs was was real greatness and just so impressive. And like you said, so impressive that Patrick Mahomes sort of has that mental state right now at just 28 years old. I know he's got a ton of playoff experience. I know he's been in the playoffs since he came in the league. He still hasn't turned 30 yet. I think a, a huge part of that credit for for instilling that goes to Andy Reid and the rest of the coaching staff. And it's just so. You know what was most impressive about it to me, and and this thought sort of sort of came to me this morning. And I've been thinking about it all day, but watching them go through this playoff run was really like watching like a really great tennis player, <laughs> Novak right. Djokovic or, or Nadal or something like a great te- not just a good tennis player, a great tennis player go through the two weeks of a Grand Slam and, like, manage their energy, manage their effort and their output, right? Like, you don't have to win the majority of the points to win a tennis match, right? You just got to win the important ones. And a guy like Novak Djokovic, I mean, if you watch him throughout a Grand Slam, he's playing five setters, whatever. If he can get you out of there quick, he'll get you out of there quick, like the Chiefs did to the Dolphins in the first round. Right. But when he's got an opponent who can push him, it's so impressive just to watch him manage manage the points, and then when it comes down to those really important points that you have to win, the break points, the match points. I mean, what we think about, right, the 49ers had multiple match points on yesterday. Yes, they did. Where if they get that first down right after the two-minute warning, they're going to win that game because they're going to kick a field goal as time expires. They get that stop on fourth and one in overtime. Obviously, they win the game. Match points. But the Kansas City Chiefs, in those situations, their focus, their preparation, their confidence, and their execution is just off the charts in those moments. And it, it really reminds me of a guy like... Novak Djokovic, who, who, you know, if you watch him for the full two weeks of a Grand Slam, there are going to be times when you're like, this is not the best player in the tournament. That's right. When it comes down to those points, the ones that decide the match, decide the game, decide the tournament, decide the Super Bowl, he's always going to be the best player, and this Kansas City Chiefs team is always going to be the best team. Andrew Houghton here on Nuanas. Now, great analysis. I think it's spot on. The other point I want to make about the Chiefs, and we'll come back to a lot more analysis in hour number two, is that... A huge part of pro sports, especially in the modern era and especially over the last handful of years, has been managing all the exterior stuff, all the drama, all the stuff that can crater you. And I think there really are more distractions now than ever before across the board for all of us, not just professional athletes. I mean, we all got a little computer in our pockets that tells us everything that we ever wanted to know at all times. There's some benefits there. There's some also some huge detriments there. But Mahomes, 
I mean, think about the narratives that popped up this season. His receivers can't catch the ball. He's acting like a baby. He's throwing a fit when they lose to Buffalo. Oh, my gosh, Travis Kelsey's dating Taylor Swift. Now Taylor Swift's at every football game on down the line. He was in this quarterback's documentary. What happened to the other guys in the quarterback's documentary? Kirk Cousins blew up his Achilles, and who knows what's going to happen to him. Marcus Mariota got completely uh, ousted and benched. And Mahomes, none of it, none of the distraction got in his way whatsoever. To be able to be sitting where the Chiefs were at, at 9-6 and six in the midst of the regular season, and then push through and not lose again and end the season on a seven-game winning streak despite the fact that they're leading talk shows every day. What's wrong with the Chiefs? Why can't Valdez-Scantling catch the ball? Is Travis Kelsey d- distracted? What's going on with his girlfriend? Why is he dating this woman? She's more famous than him. Millions of people are watching the NFL because of it. On and on and on and on. All of those narratives can crush you. Look what happened to the Eagles this year. Look what happened to the Titans this year. The Titans are a train wreck. They were the number one team in the AFC a couple years ago. Now they have no coach. They fired everybody. It's just, it, it can crush you if you can't get out from under it. And we've seen it happen to even some of the all-time greats. Lamar Jackson stopped showing up to the facility last year because he didn't have a, a contract. Aaron Rodgers is going on darkness retreats and hiding from everybody. What's Patrick Mahomes doing? He's not listening to anybody. He's just training and balling, and that is it. He annoys me. I think part of that's because of overexposure. Part of that's because of his sort of childlike way of being. But at this exact moment, it is impossible, impossible to deny the greatness that he encompasses. And it was absolutely reaffirmed to the maximum last night. I I would say, in terms of having six losses during the regular season, the Chiefs now become the sixth team in NFL history to lose six or more games and still win the Super Bowl title. And I would say that this run ranks up there with any of them, whether it was the both those Giants teams that Tom Coughlin led, those were both wildcard teams that got hot at the right time. Baltimore, the 2012 run with Joe Flacco. Green Bay, the 2010 run with Aaron Rodgers. And then uh, San Francisco in 1988. They then, of course, then stamped it and went back-to-back with one in 1989. But this was one of the great runs, especially considering the Chiefs were in the midst of a skid in the middle of the season uh, that the NFL has seen. And now they are back-to-back champs, and uh, they have a chance to three-peat. That has never been done in the history of the Super Bowl era. So just darn impressive. And sometimes I think we give the quarterback too much credit. In this case, I don't think we can give the quarterback too much credit. I think he deserves all the credit and then some. He's a transcendent talent, unbelievable player, And that's why I I always come around like this. Even if you bother me on a personal level, I don't really like your antics. I'm here to see history. I'm here to see greatness. That's all I want. That's the thing I want the most. I want to be able to tell my son that, that, you know, when you were 16 days old, buddy, we watched the, the reaffirmation of the greatest player of all time. Is he there yet? No, but he is absolutely well on his way. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing to, uh, t- to be in the midst of, to be experiencing. It's Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, Montana Basketball Hour with a whole bunch of Super Bowl attack. We'll come back to the Super Bowl a little later on. But let's get into uh, some basketball stuff. We got our Big Sky scoreboard. We got some analysis coming out of the games. And uh, we, all, we only have a, a month worth of weekend action 
four more weekends where the Big Sky play before the Big Sky tournament begins in Boise, Idaho. So uh, it's the stretch run, as they like to say. We'll break down everything that went down in the Big Sky. The Montana Basketball Hour proudly presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long at Dazzler's Car Wash. Hoops on the other side. ESPN Radio. Unsurprisingly, uh, one of the only people in the whole world that seems as if he's not getting old is Usher. Uh, good job by him. Good job by his personal trainer. Since <laughs> so so he takes the shirt off, I was like, oh, here we go. And then I was like, oh, I get it. I'd take my shirt off all the time on live TV, too, if I looked like you. Good job, buddy. Uh, it was a good halftime performance, though. And, uh, you know, my salty hot take from a couple weeks ago, I walk it back. Usher's sweet. I, You don't need to go to the club to enjoy it. And uh, I enjoyed every second of it, even though I was just sitting in the living room last night. Welcome back to Osdow, ESPN Radio. More Super Bowl talk coming up, but we got to talk some Big Sky Conference hoops. It's our Montana Basketball Hour, probably presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated at Dazzler's Car Wash. At your scoreboard from uh, over the weekend, not a great Saturday for the Montana schools. In uh, men's hoops, the Grizzmen got smacked in Greeley. They uh, lost 87-71, and uh, it wasn't even that close. They were down 29 points at one point. They're down 20 at halftime. So uh, I watched the whole first half of that one on the stream and then promptly changed it over between the Lady Grizz who uh, had a nice bounce back after their loss Thursday to Northern Arizona. They beat Northern Colorado 82-74. to And then I was also going back and forth with the uh, Montana State men at NAU. Bobcats had that one uh, seemingly in control of that game, and then not so fast. NAU goes on a definitive 25-6 to run and turns that game on its head, and then they hold on for a 76-71 win. Don't look now, but the Cats are reeling a little bit. They've lost three in a row. They're 6-6 six and six in league play coming into this rivalry week. And for Montana, it's just been back and forth we go. Split, 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 split. They had the great two-game stretch where they smacked the Cats in Bozeman and then came back two days later and drilled Weber State at home. Other than that, it's been... Win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win. And that's how you sit at 7-5 and five, uh, in league play. So the Grizz still, this Grizz men's team, they've shown great flashes, but they've also just shown sort of doldrums. I mean, it's very, it's a very strange team to get a beat on because it's not just as simple as when they play well offensively, they play well because they've played well in other areas at times too. It just seems like, they're having a really hard time putting a successful weekend together. To their credit, when they lose Thursdays, they seem to come back with a lot of passion and energy on Saturdays. When they win on Thursdays, they seem to be flat on Saturdays. So I don't really know what the deal is with that. Other big sky scores from around the men's league. Eastern Washington, they stayed in first place with an 87-79 win over Idaho. These, the Montana games were early, um, which usually isn't the case. So I actually watched... The whole Eastern Idaho game as well. Idaho's a lot better than their record. Julius Mims, the juice they call him. He's a Billy Skyview kid playing there in Idaho. But Idaho has some, some talent, even though they're sitting there at 3-7 and seven in league. Uh, don't be surprised if they uh, they mess up the league race down the stretch. Idaho State, they beat Portland State 68-65. Portland State team's a head-scratcher, man. They looked great at home against the Montana schools two weeks ago. They haven't done anything since then. 
It's it's kind of weird. And then Weber State, they kept on winning after Eric Duft went nuts uh, in his post game, and then after we destroyed them on this radio show. Well, they've really turned the corner, and they've won four in a row, and uh, they're back in the mix after their 58-53 win uh, over Sacramento State. Your women's Big Sky Conference scoreboard, I mentioned the Lady Grizz. They won 82-74 over an upstart Northern Colorado team that swept the Montana schools in Greeley, but then get swept on a Montana road swing. NAU, they've now won eight in a row, and they've beaten every team in the conference during that eight-game winning streak except Northern Colorado that's who NAU started conference play with before the new year. That's who they'll end conference play with on that last Monday of the year. A little bit odd because they're travel partners this year. So they get their their sort of one, one game a week thing, the beginning and the end of conference play. But the other eight wins for NAU's women over every other team in the league. So that bodes well for Lori Payne's squad. They won 78, excuse me, 71-58 uh, in Bozeman over Montana State. Portland State, how about the Vikings? First win in conference play this season. They snapped a 15-game losing streak. They beat Idaho State 59-53. That's a just all capital letters wolf if you're Idaho State. Idaho State just got swept by Sac State and Portland State. Those two teams had a combined one conference victory before this weekend. And Idaho State drops both games of the weekend. Don't look now, though. Sac State's women, they're one of the hottest teams in the league. They've won three in a row after an 0-8 conference start and a 1-19 start overall. They beat uh, Weber State 75-44. And then in the nightcap, Eastern Washington's women, they beat rival Idaho 62-52. So let's take a look at the standings. We are just now into the second half of conference play uh, after this last weekend. In women's hoops, uh, Northern Arizona's on top. They are 10 and 1. Eastern, a game back, they're 9 and 2. The Montana schools, each of them are 8 and 4. So Saturday's matinee here in Missoula should be an awesome one and one that has a lot of ramifications in the standings. Idaho State, after that putrid weekend, they're 6 and 6. Northern Colorado, they started 4 and 1 in league play. They've lost 5 out of 6. They sit at 5 and 6 in conference play. Idaho's women are four and eight. Weber State is four and eight as well. Uh, Sacramento State three and nine, and Portland State uh, bringing up the rear at one and eleven. In men's hoops, Eastern Washington on top. They're ten and one. Northern Colorado alone in second place after sweeping the Montana schools. So huge weekend for the Bears. They are a fascinating tournament team. I was texting Andrew on Saturday. I think right now, in my mind, there's three teams that could win. The Big Sky Conference tournament title. And, and we still could have emergent. I mean, maybe the Grizz turn a corner, maybe the Cats turn a corner. And maybe that makes it so there's five true tournament contenders in Boise. But right now, I think there's three teams that could win the tournament in Boise. Eastern Washington, who is uh, looking like they have the inside track at the one seed. They got a two game lead here um, with seven conference games to play. Northern Colorado is one of those teams. I, I wouldn't have said that before this weekend, but now I do. And then the third's Weber State because they got the, the one of at least the best players in Dylan Jones, and uh, they they have a lot of tournament experience. They were knocking on the door, took the eventual champions in Montana State to overtime two years in a row before falling in heartbreakers. So uh, I think Weber's right there as well. What do the Grizz need to do? What do the Cats need to do to get back into that top tier? Uh, we'll see. But UNC now alone in second place, that eight and three. The Grizz and Weber are tied at seven and five in third. 
Montana does have the the win over Weber and Missoula, but Weber beat Montana in Ogden, so that's a wash in terms of that tiebreaker. Idaho State and Montana State are at six and six. Portland State is at five and seven. NAU is at four and seven. Idaho is at three and eight, and Sac State bringing up the rear at two and ten. As I mentioned, officially now four weekends left before Boise. So there's four Thursday, Saturdays, and then one Monday before then we dive into Boise. Boise, the schedule different this year. It's a Saturday through Wednesday tournament. So it starts March 9th and runs through March 13th. We'll be giving you an opportunity to go to the Big Sky Tournament in Boise. We got tickets for the women's side of things as well as two nights in the hotel. Uh, just text us Big Sky in Boise, 406. 406- 888-1029. That's 888-1029. And uh, you can also hit us up on social media at ESPN, excuse me, at 1029 ESPN on Twitter and Facebook, at Skyline Sports MT, at Coulter Duanas, at Krista Redpath. We have all sorts of ways to get a hold of us. Any and all uh, messages to us will get you entered in our Big Sky in Boise giveaway. It's proudly presented by Vertical Rays. We'll hear from... Uh, a little bit more about the Vertical Rays coaching clinic on the other side. And I also have a couple other Big Sky storylines to touch upon, including a bunch of guys that are playing out of their minds in other leagues that were in the Big Sky last year, plus a new offensive line coach for the Montana Grizzly football team. That's next. It's the Montana basketball, football, Montana everything hour here on Nuanas Now. Presented by Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated all winter long at Dazzler's Car Wash. More on the other side. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. knew that was a sample, but I didn't know from who until I went on my Robert Cray deep dive a couple weeks ago. But uh, great job by Luda bringing that one back out. Luda Chris, like, kind of stole the show on the halftime show last night. I was a little surprised by that. But maybe not. Maybe I just, I don't know. Maybe I just have no idea. So I was down ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, Montana Basketball Hour. Here, like we do with the first hour of every Monday show, except for we had a pretty Super Bowl-heavy one, because of course we did. It's the uh, day after the Super Bowl. It's not quite spring. It's probably certainly still on some snow in your yard, but you don't want to spend your weekends cleaning up dog poop. Weekends are for golf and watching sports, am I right? I can't wait for golf season, by the way. Montana Pooper Scoopers can help free up your weekends, and it's more affordable than you think. Locally owned and operated, Montana Pooper Scoopers has been serving Missoula and the surrounding areas since 2006. Visit MontanaPooperScoopers.com for more information on their weekly cleanups and to free up that time for you to do whatever you want on the weekends. Montana Pooper Scoopers offers weekly dog waste removal services for businesses and families at a price anybody can afford. Visit MontanaPooperScoopers.com. One interesting Big Sky Conference storyline right now is all the players that were in the Big Sky Conference a year ago that left this uh, this doomsday scenario that many of the coaches across a variety of different sports have uh, professed when it comes to the transfer portal, well, it actually hit the big sky in hoops, men's and women's, but particularly men's, more than, than any other sport. In women's, a lot of the prestigious players that left, the Darian Whites of the world, the Cola Bad Bears of the world, the uh, Beyonce Bees of the world, 
they would have been done at their respective schools if not for their extra year of eligibility because of the pandemic. So that's not, you know, the Big Sky being a minor league system. That's just these young ladies having this one-of-a-kind, very unique deal where they get to go play a fifth and final year, even though they were all great players as freshmen. That's never going to happen again, at least, I mean, barring some other global catastrophe. It's not going to happen again, right? Well, the Big big Sky men's hoops, though, they had all sorts of guys that weren't grad transfers, that weren't seniors, that could have come back to their respective schools this last year, and they all bailed. The only guys that returned to school from the first or second team All-Big Sky last year that had eligibility remaining were Dylan Jones at Weber State and Anand Moody at Montana. Other than that, everybody else that could have come back didn't come back. Now, there's also the doomsday stories of when guys leave, do they go the appropriate level? Do they think the grass is greener and then they can't sniff it at that level? They can't get on the field. They can't get on the court. That's happened more often than not to a lot of the quarterbacks that have left the Big Sky Conference in football. Vernon Adams transferred from Eastern Washington, went to Oregon. He was good. I actually say he was very good at times for the Ducks. And, and they, yeah, Jeff's giving me the thumbs up. He's a Ducks guy. They won eight or nine games that year, right? They went to a bowl. He was he was a good player. He, he started. He was good. Dakota Prukop, not so much. That was more circumstantial because Dakota Prukop's still a pro. He got kind of ousted because Helfrich was on the hot seat, and they had this, this freshman waiting in the wings who, by the way, his name's Justin Herbert. <laughs> you might have heard of him. So Prukop got kind of ousted and scapegoated, then Herbert got handed the keys. And I mean, no shame in losing your job to a guy who's a number six overall pick. Uh, in the NFL draft a couple years later. But then you look at guys like Kevin Thompson, who left Sac State to go to Washington. Gage Gubrud, who left Eastern Washington to go to Washington State. These guys didn't play. R.J. Martinez from NAU went to Baylor. You never heard of him again. That ain't it. That's not what you want. So I was wondering when all these guys left the big sky, okay, where do they land? How will they do? What's their ability to represent the big sky on a bigger stage? It's actually crazy to me that all these guys have been not just contributors, they've been lights out good. Like when Geno Crandall did this, leaving North Dakota to go to Gonzaga, he was like a seventh man there. He played for Gonzaga on really good teams. Okay. Well, how about Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado? This dude earlier this year became the first player in SEC history ever. We're talking Kentucky, Alabama. Tennessee, Arkansas, first player in SEC history to score 28-plus points in six straight games. Don't Connect has a 39-point game against Georgia this year. He's got a 38-point game against Florida. He scored 36 against North Carolina. Dude's averaging 20-plus points per game. Over the weekend, Connect had 27 against LSU and 22 more against Texas A&M. This guy's going to be an All-American. He's not just going to be an All-SEC guy at Tennessee. He's going to be an All-American. He might be a lottery pick by the time this is all said and done. That's just one example, though. I mentioned the Utah State-Boise State game I watched on Saturday. Great Osabar is the dude, man. Not only is he a beast down low, not only is he one of the best rebounders in the Mountain West, he can handle it. He was running in transition. Like, getting out on the break, he's got a crossover now. Like, his skill development is unreal. He's averaging almost 19 points and 9.5 rebounds per game uh, for the Aggies. He had a double-double against Boise State. 
He was formerly of Montana State, for those keeping track. How about Raekwon Battle? He, he went through his whole waiver thing, but now he's back at West Virginia. He's not shooting the best percentages, but he still had some big games. He's averaging almost 16 points per game there for the Mountaineers uh, of West Virginia. Isaac Jones, who was at Idaho last year, he was the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky, junior college transfer. He's now at Wazoo. He's averaging 16 points and 8 rebounds. He had a 20-10 and 10 in the Apple Cup basketball version against the Huskies last Saturday. Darius Brown, he had 21 points on Saturday night against Boise State. He looks like an all-Mountain West-type point guard, former MSU uh, point guard. And then Jalen Cohn, one of the leading scorers in the Big Sky at NAU last year, he transfers to Cal. He's still scoring almost 15 points per game. I know Cal's not that good, but I, I think it's fascinating that all these guys have translated and been at least as productive as they were in the Big Sky, if not better. Andrew, what do you think of this? What do you make of this? I know we, you guys talked about this. We had a quote from Travis DeCure about this. Uh, a week or two ago, but what, what do you make of all this? Why have these guys been able to translate so easily and, in fact, actually in some cases like Osobar and Connect be way better than they even were in the big sky? Well, I don't really know. I, you know, I think that, you know, the great Osobar, Darius Brown the second, right, they're going with the coach that they've played for, that they're comfortable for. I'm not surprised both of those guys are having great seasons at Utah State. That's a little bit of a unique scenario, though. I think there is something to the fact that just, like, for guys like Dalton Connect, Jalen Cohn, Isaac Jones, right, they were not on good teams last year. Right. There are certain players who, when you put better players around them, they raise their game just because of the way that, yeah. you know, their game fits with other players, right? Dalton Connect, I'm absolutely not surprised, is a guy like that, right? Because he yeah. fits in so well on really good basketball teams, and they didn't have that at Northern Colorado last year. The question to me is why. I know we don't have any time to extrapolate that. They absolutely should have been good last year, though. I, I have no idea. They should have been better than 6-12 and 12 in league. Like, they had other reputable players. I mean, Matt Johnson and Bodie Hume are both good Big Sky players. Not Bodie Hume last year, Dalen Koontz. Oh, Dalen Koontz. All oh, right, Bodie Hume was a couple years ago. Right. I see. He was right. out last year. But still, though, and it's not like we're seeing it this year. Steve Smiley's a good coach. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was a bizarre one. Jones particularly emphasizes your point. Like, he was a 20-10 and 10 guy in the big sky, and they had no one else. They didn't have a point guard to get him the ball. They didn't have any right. shooting to stop people from triple-teaming him in the he's post. he's a big guy, so he can't create for himself. That's so right. He's just getting, I mean, he's getting monster-trapped on every play, and he's still scoring 18 points a game. So I totally get having better players around him is interesting. It's the Montana State guys that are honestly the ones that are the biggest surprises to me. When Great Osabar and Darius Brown went there, those guys are great big sky players. I thought they'd be good Mountain West players. Like good by good I mean could play minutes in the Mountain West. I did not expect Grace Osabar and part of this is just his prodigious talent, right? He was he's he's gone from project to good to elite. Each offseason, you can tell he's he absolutely is working on his game. He's absolutely a gym rat because his acceleration skill wise has just been unbelievable. Yeah, it required a little bit of, of a little bit of a projection on him. Yep, because he's so much he he is he's a, a, so much better right now than he was in the Big Sky last year. But like you said, we'd already seen it from him, and you know that there was more room just with his physical attributes to continue to add on to his skills, right? So while you did have to take a little bit of a leap of faith with him, I was one of the guys who was like, okay, well, if he just keeps con- 
continuing to improve, which we've already seen him do, he's definitely going to be able to play in the Mountain West. I had no questions about Darius Brown, man. I knew Darius Brown was going to be just a quality Mountain West player right away. Here's the thing about Darius Brown. This is how you can tell a guy is a true baller. You could put Darius Brown at any level of college basketball, from the SEC to the ACC to the Mountain West to the Big Sky to... You know, and the he's going to do the D2, things that he does. He would look relatively the same across That's the board, right. making everybody better. That's, That's right. a good point. No, I was now ESPN Radio. I, I last point I'll make on this. I don't want to sound like I'm being a hater. The Big Sky has some good coaches. I also think that the Big Sky, everybody in the Big Sky, is obsessed with the narrative that the Big Sky is a coaches' league, and they run way too much stuff, and they they coach too much. And I think that there's guys across this league that get reeled in because they're being overcoached, because their team is being overcoached with all the stuff that they run. And, you know, that's not to say, I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of coaches that run a lot of stuff. Rick Barnes runs a lot of stuff at Tennessee. Rick Barnes' stuff is better. That's why he's at Tennessee. That's why he recruits guys like Kevin Durant. That's why he's been to the Final Four. It's just a different level. And, uh, you know, it's not to be a hater on any of the coaches in the big sky. They're just in the big sky, and they're not Rick Barnes. There's a there's a reason why Rick Barnes gets paid millions of dollars a year to coach at Tennessee. It's to be able to first identify and then accentuate talents of guys like Dalton Connect. So now is now. ESPN Radio, Hour 1 of the Bucks, Hour 2 coming at you. I know you're fiending for some more Super Bowl stuff, so we got it for you. The Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Mornoweg, more than a quarter century in the NFL, joining us for the last episode of the season. I'm sad, but I'm also so happy because we get to talk about an all-time great Super Bowl. That's next. Keep it right here. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 